0: Man, thank you, Matt. Uh, good to be here. Um, somebody asked me what it's like, what's it like pre- preaching to a few people. Well, I said I'll find out in an hour, so you can be the judge of that when we leave tonight. Uh, good to be here. Let me pray, and uh, we're going to get started. Uh, Father God, we want to thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we can uh, be here, and I pray as I open the word, uh, God, that my words would be your words, that I wouldn't say anything that I shouldn't say. But, Lord, that I would say what you once said. And and those that are here tonight, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are a personal God, that you communicate to us through your word. And we know that it's true because it always comes true. And the things that you say are going to happen, they happen. And so we just thank you for that you haven't just left us to ourselves. So, Father, we pray that tonight that you would uh, guide us and lead us uh, by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, my name's Johnny and I do attend Urban Grace and what's, what's weird about having two services is, is like you kind of wonder, well, do they go to church anymore? And it's like, where are they? And you're here. This is, this is good that we haven't lost people uh, because we haven't seen you for a while. Um, when I'm not here, I'm at another church because I help go around the province uh, helping other churches start and preaching in other churches. So um, it is good to be here. Um, I was supposed to preach this last week, but I had to get away to Vancouver to see uh, my father who was having surgery. And now uh, I asked Trev, hey, can I preach it next week? He said, absolutely. So I'm glad that Pastor Trev had uh, two weeks off. Anyways, I want to look at the question tonight of, is that fair? And I don't know about you, but I've asked that question many times in my life. Is that fair? And and we all know, yeah, life's not fair, but it's easy to say. But sometimes we, we think that Life should be a little more fair than it is. A- am I right or am I the only one? I'll let you check that out. Um, I was a child and as a child, I, uh, there was names that people called me. When I was very young, I was called Dumbo and Mickey Mouse. It's okay to laugh. I'm, I've, I'm through it. I've gone to counseling because uh, my ears used to be out like, like, like Dumbo. Uh, and I like Disneyland, so I wasn't sure if it was a compliment. My parents knew I was getting bugged. So they sent me to the doctor. I got plastic surgery and had to wear this space helmet for about six weeks while my ears healed. And so like, I'm kind of like, why couldn't I be born with normal ears? Uh... And then I, as I entered elementary school, uh, grade two, I remember I was, we were in pottery class and they give you that lump of clay and you're, you're able to begin to form something. So I formed it and then you take it to the teacher and then she's supposed to tell you how great it is and then put it in the kiln, right? Because you're going to take it home and your mom's going to say it's great. Well, she threw mine in the garbage and I'm like, okay, that's not, why couldn't I be artistic like all the other kids that are around me? Um, you know, and then when you go in track and field and track and field is just as bad as gymnastics when in high school or in, in school when, when you're a little overweight, um, you know, I would always come in last and, and I wish that, you know, it kind of wasn't fair that I would come in last. I wish I was a little faster or you're the, the guy that always gets nominated for the shot put because you're husky and it's like, I, I wish I could do something more than just shot put. Um, but that was my life, and it seemed fair. And then, and then the worst is getting picked last for a team. Anybody ever have that? Last for the team. Um, and and no offense, uh, but getting picked after a girl is, is that is a, is a young boy. That kind of like it's just not fair. Um, and and you get into life, and then you think that life should go a little better. And, and those, uh, for me, I, I've been in ministry over 20 years and, and sometimes I've thought, and I'll be honest, that I think I deserve more. Like, I've been so good, I've followed the Lord so well. Uh, life should be better, ministry should be better. And sometimes it doesn't seem fair that others are blessed and, and maybe you feel like you're not. And if we're really honest, sometimes we actually think that God's not fair. We think that, and I don't know if, it, if you've ever said that, but I've said that God, I, it doesn't seem, God, that you're fair. And we're going to look at that tonight. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've in the past thrown pity parties. And where I want to complain and complain, and, and tonight as we look at this text, I, I hope that, that maybe if you're in a place that, you are angry that you are maybe having a pity party. I don't, I don't know if, if you are. We're all at different stages, but, but have you ever wondered if God is fair? And maybe you, right now you're in that place and you're frustrated with certain aspects of your life. Um, maybe you are married or you want to be married. You think it's unfair that I'm not married. Or, or maybe you're married and, and it's kind of unfair because you. Your partner isn 't the person that you thought they should be, and and maybe your marriage doesn 't look like someone else 's marriage or the marriage that you thought that you would have, or, or maybe that you 've got a job that you 're just not getting far enough ahead and, and you think you should be farther ahead, or the opportunities don 't come to you like they come to other people and you and you say it 's not fair and so i don 't know where you 're at but i've i 've been at so many places in that of having pity parties and and the stuff that I want to share tonight is just so true to my own life of really looking at this idea, is God fair? Is life fair? Um, and maybe some of you have, have had things done to you. you. There's abuse been happening. And that is just horrible. And I, I, I'm so sorry for that. But as we, as we get into the Word and as we look at the scripture, and we look at the good news, and, and the good news is, is the, called the gospel, is that if, if there is things that have happened to you, the reality is, is that Jesus understands. Jesus has, has been tortured way more than anyone ever probably has, but he didn't deserve it either. And so tonight, if you're, if you're here, and maybe, maybe you have clenched fists towards God, I pray that, that as we, we look at God's word and, and we're reminded of a few things, that maybe, as we are reminded of some of those things, that we can open these hands, take clinch fists to open hands in worship for who God is and what He's done. So that's, that's where we're going uh, tonight. So I want to ask you this question tonight as we look at this. How can I deal with things in life that seem unfair? How can I deal with things in life that seem unfair? I hope by the end we'll answer that. Joshua 9, 1 to 27. We're going to look at the story. And so if, you're, if you've got Bibles, turn there now. Uh, on your app, turn there. If you want a Bible, need a Bible, raise your hands. Someone will grab you one. If you don't have one, please keep it as our gift. If you do have one at home, just leave it here and uh, we can have it for other people uh, when they come. So I'm going to run through this. And we're just going to go um, through, uh, just through the story uh, not verse by verse, but section by section. So I'm not going to read it all up front. But I want to recap the story for those of you here. And I'm not sure if, if maybe this is your first time in church and you, you're just kind of a little nervous. You go, I I really welcome here? It's great to have you here. And, and I want to hopefully be able to speak to you uh, from God's word that, that you can hopefully, even if you don't believe God's word, there's some truth that you maybe take away uh, from tonight's message. So I want to recap the story for you. We start, we're in the book of Joshua, now it goes back a few books in the first book of the Bible is called Genesis: the Book of Beginnings, and that's where everything starts. Well, in about the twelfth chapter, uh, God goes to this man named Abram and says, "I want to bless you. I, wanna, I want to bless you to be a blessing in the entire world." And uh, so God does some miraculous things and, and Abram begins a family at a really old age. his wife was like over 90 when she had him and, and he had this baby uh, and as this baby grew up. Uh, He was called to to sacrifice this baby. His son at 12 years old said, I want you to go sacrifice. And seems really weird. But he goes and and he's about to do this. And, And this is a foreshadowing of what's to come, of what God will do with his son Jesus. And that's to come in the future. But he promises Abram. Abram listens. Abram goes to another country. Abram has a son Isaac. And Isaac has a son Jacob. Now, Jacob uh, has a son named Joseph. Now, I don't know if, if any of you have heard of, of like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, the, the, uh, the musical. Uh, but Joseph goes to Egypt. He saves basically Egypt from the entire uh, famine. Everyone around the world comes to there to get food because Joseph was the guy there that made sure everything happened. Well, the reality is, is the Israelites stayed there. They stayed there for some 400 years. And then God raises up a man named Moses. the people were crying out to God he raises up Moses and so Moses goes into to Egypt and he says let my people go so God sends a bunch of plagues on Egypt you might have seen the movie Uh, and then the Israelites leave God finally after the last plague Pharaoh just says get out of here so they go they go across the Red Sea God crazy miracle parts Red Sea they go through on dry land and now the Israelites are on the other side of the Red Sea Now they're gonna go into the place called Canaan or the promised land. And Moses wants to send out spies to check the land out. So he sends out 12 spies. 10 spies come back and say, it's an amazing place, lots of great food, uh, but those guys are huge, there's no way we can do it. And there's two guys that said, yeah, that's right, but we can do this, God's on our side, we can do this. Those two guys were Joshua and Caleb. And now what happens is, so because those 10 guys didn't want to go in, they convinced the rest of the Israelites not to go in. So what happened is God uh, basically punished them, and they wandered the desert for some 40 years. All the while God was protecting them in the desert. And this man named Joshua, who was one of the spies that went in, was the one now who has been anointed leader of the Israelite people to go and conquer this land that's been promised to them. So Moses, who led them out of Egypt, right to the promised land, was able to see it, but wasn't actually allowed to go in because he disobeyed God on one issue. So that's where we are in the story. So, so Joshua comes in, they, they go in, and they take the first city, Jericho. They march around it you know, once a day for six days, and the last seventh day, they march around a bunch of times, Walls fall, they go in, they take it. Then they go to this next city, Ai. They go, well, it's not a big deal. They're not that strong. They go in and they lose. And they go, what happened? And the reality is where well, there was sin in the camp. There was a guy named Achan that stole a bunch of junk, put, hit it in the bottom of his tent. And that's the reason why he, they lost the battle because they, God says, don't take any plunder for yourself. They did. Ended up killing this guy because he, he deserved to die because he disobeyed the Lord stopped there so uh went back to ai conquered ai then they come back between these two mountains pastor trev talked about this two weeks ago and they have this kind of really great worship server re-covenant with god and that it's going to all happen and now is where we are in chapter nine where they're going to go and they will go continue to conquer the rest of the land and that's where we are here in chapter nine so so read with me um starting at verse one as soon as all the kings were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland, all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites heard of this. They gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. So, what you have here is you've got a bunch of cities coming together to make sure that they can stand up against the Israelites because they, they've, they've seen what's happened, they've heard what's happened. Like, these guys mean business so it would be like if vancouver was coming to attack us okay we would we would phone up everybody in edmonton and said hey let's just drop all of our differences come we need to fight and protect alberta and so we would invite we invite edmonton we invite red deer we would invite lethbridge and and medicine hat and we'd all kind of meet you know by calgary and say okay or by canmore and say okay we're gonna we're gonna stop vancouver from taking us over and so that's what that's what they did but then there's this other town that says, that says something different. Verse 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they on their part acted with cunning and went ready, with ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended with worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country. So now make a covenant with us. Now, I don't know what you're thinking about this, but, but this seems pretty, pretty ingenious. Like these guys are good. They are pretty amazing at faking what was really going on? It was quite amazing. And it was also interesting that they wanted to make a covenant with Israel, not a contract. Very interesting. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you live among us. How then can we make a covenant with you? So they're not fools. The Israelites ask, actually ask questions. So then they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you? Where do you come from? Verse nine, they said to him, from a very distant country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him and that all he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites and were beyond the Jordan to the Sion, the king of Heshbon and to Og, the king of Bashan who lived in Ashtoreth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go and meet them, and say to them, "We are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. Here is our bread; it, it was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you. But now, behold, it is dry and crumbly. These wineskins were new when we filled them, and behold, they have burst. And these garments and sandalbars of ours are all worn out from a very long journey." Okay, I'm impressed. Like they've got worn out wine skins. They've got moldy and crusty bread. They've got worn out clothes and all to t- this big act that they were doing. So, so I don't know where you're at, but, but kind of like, it's kind of impressive. They, they're, they're lying, but you gotta admire them. It's kind of like my son. Uh, my, my son, when he was two, uh, came home from Christmas Eve service and he learned the F-bomb in the nursery. That will never happen in Urban Grace New Nursery. But he learned the F-bomb in nursery. And so we came home and I'm like, where did he learn that? I don't say that and you don't say that, honey. And so, so anyways, we figured out where it came from. And we thought, you know, we'll just leave it. It'll, it'll just go away. Well, it did not go away. And he would say it when he's mad. It's like, it's like, really? Okay, two weeks. It's still not going away. So we figured, I growing up, and, and I was a kid that had soap in my mouth. Anybody have soap in their mouth? Okay. Yeah. Soap in the mouth. Okay. I don't, and we're, we were the new breed of parents. We go, that's not proper. We shouldn't do that. That's probably toxic. It'll probably hurt our poor little beautiful child. So we figured Tabasco sauce. That's the answer non-toxic. He'll stop. So it, it would work pretty well when we had the Tabasco sauce. My son was pretty, pretty cutting, kind of like the Gibby Nights. And so we're on holidays this one time and I'm in the minivan and he's standing on the seat and we actually had a stop at the IGA before, while we were on the trip because we forgot it at home. So we bought a brand new bottle of Tabasco sauce and it's in the drink holder in the van. I'm outside doing a bunch of stuff and the windows roll down. He's standing on the seat. He's two. And he looks at me, like looks at me. He takes the bottle and he throws it in there and smashes it. And I'm like, what a smart kid. Like I would do the exact same thing, but I'm the parent, so I can't let him think it's cool. Uh, and so ended up, we, we disciplined him. I don't know what we did. We got more Tabasco. Um, and just time out. This is free. If you're a parent and you do that, um, our kid can drink the stuff now. Like there is nothing too hot for him. He he, like it's it's crazy. So if you're gonna do that, just just uh, watch out because he will be able to eat extremely hot foods as he gets older. But the reality is, is it was pretty cunning, pretty ingenious that they did this. But what's important is they said here is they heard that what the Lord their God had done. It's kind of like Rahab in when they went to spy out the land or spy out Jericho. They sent spies in and these spies were hid by this prostitute named Rahab. And Rahab said, I've heard what's happening. I heard about your God and we've, our people are melting with fear. So the Israelites say, hey, we'll make a deal with you. You save us. You hide us here so we don't get caught, so we can go back to our people. And when we come back to destroy, we will protect you. We will make this deal with you. And so what actually happened is they, they go in, they protected Rahab, and actually, if you follow the, the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus. Like, it's, it's just amazing how God saved this one woman because she believed and had, had the fear of God. She, she didn't just say, I'm not gonna go with the Israelites. I'm gonna go with the Israelites because I believe that he's the true God. And the same thing is going on here with the Gibeonites. They'd heard this report about the Lord their God, and so they wanted in on it they wanted to make sure we read on verse 15 so so the men took their provisions but did not ask counsel of the lord big mistake that's the first why do we get frustrated when life seems unfair we forget to ask god we forget to ask god see the israelites they they were upset as we get into this later that they made the deal, but they made the deal because they did not ask God first. How often have you gotten yourself in trouble by not first making some inquiring of God? You know, and, and it's great that, that God is, is a personal God, so not only can we pray to him, when, and we pray to him in the name of Jesus, and, and, and we believe that he speaks to us, um, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him." Even if you don't believe God or you're just checking God out, if you take up the Bible, there is a lot of great wisdom of how to live life in the Bible. There's there's literature that are called the wisdom literature, like the Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes. There's some really good wisdom in the Bible. So if you don't even believe God or believe the Bible, I, I would suggest you just read it just for some, for some good wisdom. But those of you that do call yourself Christ followers, I, I would encourage you that you, you number one, pray, which and you pray to, to Jesus. You pray to the God the Father through Jesus and, and you, you ask him to give you wisdom. And his, his word says that he will. The other way is through reading Scripture. God has given us his, and communicated His Word to us. And so if you feel like God is telling you something that contradicts Scripture, you need to, you need to watch that um, and say, well, I, I've got to go with what the written Scripture says rather than what I feel. And so often people just go with what they feel and they get in trouble. Or they go against what God's Word says and they get in trouble. And so that's the first thing when we, when we think things are unfair. Are, are, have we consulted God? I've had people that have, have done things and they haven't consulted God and they're upset at their relationship or they're upset what's going on and they go, it's not fair. Well, the reality is, is it could be your fault because you simply did not even ask God like the Israelites just did. We want to make sure that we forget God, that we consult God, not forget him. Let's go on, verse 15. And Joshua in peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Okay, if you're reading this, you're kind of going like, you know in a movie when you know what's going on, but the characters don't? Like you know what I'm talking about, right? Where you, There's a movie and you go, okay, I know this. I know information that they don't. and You're kind of screaming at the TV. So this is kind of what we would be doing now. Joshua, don't make the deal. It's a bad deal. They're lying to you. And like TV, they don't hear you. Joshua doesn't hear us when we're saying this to him. So he makes the deal, unfortunately. But it's a great story. Verse 16. At the end of the three days, they had made a covenant with them. They heard. They heard that they were neighbors and that they lived among them. So often when we don't consult God, when we make a mistake, it doesn't take long for it to be found out. You go, oh, I should have listened. I know that was the wrong thing to do. And that's what happened here with Israel. Uh, verse 17, and the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Kephirah, Beroth, and kiriath but the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, what are you saying here? What's, what's going on in your, you kind of think, that's, that's not fair. They're getting off the hook like nobody else in the land of Canaan is getting off the hook except these guys and these guys lied. Now, if, if we were to, to take this to a, in, into court, it would be called fraudulent misrepresentation. Basically, making false statements to get into a contract, and the other party would be hurt or suffer a loss. But remember, they, they made a covenant, covenant, not a contract. And Pastor Trev has done a great job of, of teaching us what is the difference between a contract and a covenant. When we enter a marriage, we enter a marriage Covenant which means that I am going to fulfill my roles, my vows that I made to my wife in front of God and the witnesses, regardless whether she does or not. So it's not like if you do this, then I'll do this. It's like I'm choosing to do this. This is the covenant that I'm making. No matter what you do, this is what I'm doing. And that's what God, that's what happens here. See, the Israelites could not go back on their word because the covenant was sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. One commentator said this, and a commentator is a, is a smart guy that writes about the Bible, kind of like if you remember in high school, if you didn't want to read uh, the story, you would take by Cole's Notes and, and write your... Was anybody else do that? I just That was me. Okay, we got, there we got some takers back there. Cole's Notes saved me in high school. Anyways, um, swearing falsely was a grave sin. Because of the sacred, unbreakable nature of an oath, This treaty that the Israelites made with the Gibeonites, even though it was obtained under false pretenses, could not be revoked. A similar situation in Genesis 27 where Jacob tricked Esau into a blessing blessing him and the rightful recipient of the blessing Esau could then not receive it. You see, covenant is a big deal to God. The covenant that was made in his name, it would be taking God's name in vain if they would go back against that covenant. So they could not go back against that covenant. And you know what, that is such good news for us. How many times have you ever said, God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll do this. Or you sin and you go, I will never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never do this sin ever again. I promise. A week, a day, a month, you sin again. You see, if we trace back what happened with the Israelites through the book of Exodus, these people, they're they're, they're not nice people. They're grumbling and complaining, a lot like us. Uh, They've done nothing to deserve what they're they're getting. And and if if I was God, I would just say, forget them. Just forget them. But he couldn't. Why? Because back in Genesis 12, he made that covenant to Abraham. Abram at first, and then after the covenant, he was called Abraham. And so no matter what we do, God does not go back on his covenant because he is a covenant God. He is a righteous God. He is a holy God. And that is great news for us, is that no no matter how many times we mess up, God's not going to say, forget you. Forget him. Messed up too many times. And I know myself. And that is great news for me and if you're anything like me, that it's great news for all of us is that God keeps his word. God believes, he believes it so much that we read in, in another book of the Bible, in 2 Samuel, chapter 21, that, that, God, that Saul, the first king of Israel, actually went and killed a bunch of Gibeonites. And God brought a curse on Israel for doing that. The guys that, the guys that, that lied to stay alive because they heard what God had done, they were, God now sided with them when the covenant was broken. And they had famine. Like that's just absolutely amazing of how God keeps his covenant even when it was made under false pretenses. And that gives us hope. We read on. Then all the congregation murmured against the elders. They were ticked. That is not... Fair, and and what are they? What are they? What are they upset about? They're going to have people. They're going to cut their wood and and carry their water for the rest of their life. It's really not a bad deal. What are they upset about? They're upset that these people get to live. You see, they're not nice people. That these people get to live. That's what they're upset about. And you go, have you guys? Have you guys lost uh, what's actually happened? Now and I don't know where you stand when you look at the story and go, "Yeah, they don't deserve to live; they deserve to die." But I'd like actually ask you to step back a little bit and go, "Hmm. Maybe they do deserve grace. Maybe they do." Why do we get frustrated when things seem unfair? We forget. We forget who we are and who God is. God is a merciful God. You see, the Bible tells us that we are saved by by grace through faith not any work of our own and that's what separates christianity from any other religion in the world or or philosophy it's not about what we do it's what's been done for us through jesus it's not that we have to go do a whole bunch of things for god to like us it's like no god says i am going to love you and i'm going to forgive you now that is amazing news because I can't do enough good things. Like I, I, you, try, you see you do something good and you do something bad. So have I done enough good to outweigh my bad? And that's not the way God works. You see, they were upset. They murmured, why? They said it's not fair because they don't deserve to live. Basically, they were saying we want them dead. You see, the reality is when we, when we forget who we are and who God is, when we think life is unfair, we begin to, to not be very gracious. You see, we, when I feel like I'm hard done by, when I feel like things are unfair, then, then I need to put myself first. When I need to look after myself, then I don't give away very much. In my marriage, I, I have to put myself first because it's about me. And the reality is when we think that, that it's unfair, we lose sight of who we are and who God is. We're not very nice people. And the reality is, is we have to look at and understand who we are and who God is. You see, the Israelites have done nothing to deserve this protection from God. They've done nothing to deserve what God has, the goodness that he's given them. All they've done is cr- cranked and complained from God. He saved them from all the plagues. You know, when, when Moses was going and getting the Ten Commandments, they, they were... They, thought that Moses was gone and so they took all their jewelry and gold and melted it down and made a, a golden cow and started worshiping this thing. They don't deserve to live any more than the Gibeonites do. All they've been received or have received is grace and now they're not giving grace to other people. You see, when we forget what God has done for us, then we can think that we're more superior than other people. Then 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 if you're a Christ follower, then you think that you have to win arguments. That we have to, to that we think we're somehow better because we don't struggle with certain sins. And we're a bunch of us in this room and we don't struggle with the same things and, and maybe you don't struggle with with a sin that another person does, and somehow you think you're a little better than them because you don't struggle with that sin. The reality is is we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We all deserve God's wrath. None of us are, are free from that. And so when we understand who we are and who God is, then we can be, we can sit and we can listen to Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. We can listen to the, the Buddhist and the atheist and the agnostic and we can talk. Because all we're not better. We've just, God's just given us the grace. And so how can we feel more morally superior to anybody if it's all but grace? We can't. We haven't earned it. So how do we think that we're morally superior? We can't. And I know years ago, there was, um, maybe some of you remember, a, a guy named Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a serial killer, a pedophile, um, and a cannibal. Went to prison, was convicted, went to prison, um, and experienced the grace of Jesus. You go, well, how, how could a guy like that, how could I? experience the grace of jesus how can you experience so people have a tough time how could he do that that's not fair he did all these horrible things it's scandalous it's scandalous that a person could do so many horrible things and yet be forgiven and enjoy heaven enjoy being with jesus and the god of the universe forever it's not fair it's not fair Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience. Romans 5, um, 10 says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. As it is written, None is righteous, not, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So who are we to think that we're better? God has reached down to us and shown us grace. So, so if, if we think that things aren't fair, we go, man, it's, it's, it, it isn't fair. The reality is, is God is so good to us and we don't deserve it. But let's move on in our text. But all the leaders said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. Let them live, lest the wrath be upon us, because of the oath that we swore to them. And the leaders said to them, let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said to them. You see, this is, this is absolutely amazing how God fulfilled his covenant you see, 400 years, um, 400 years later, King David put our tabernacle in the town where Gibeon was. And the priests were in that city. And one of King David's was one of the greatest kings that ever lived. His mighty men, one of his mighty men was a Gibeonite. 500 years before Christ, a man named Zerubbabel was on the list of the returning, there was a list of Gibeonites on the returning captivity from Babylon. So they went to captivity with the Israelites and they came back in Nehemiah the list of those who rebuilt the walls included Gibeonites so so the reality is is this deception allowed the Israelites or the Gibeonites to become part of God's people and i believe we will see a bunch of Gibeonites in heaven why it's not fair yes but it's god's grace god is faithful he rescued the Gi- Gibeonites when they didn't deserve it and that is very very good news we continue on verse 22 Joshua summoned them and he said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell among us. Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants and cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of God. They answered, Joshua, because it was told to your servants for certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you and did this thing. And now behold, we are in your hand. Whatever seems good and right in your sight, do to us, do it. So we did this to them and delivered them out of the hand of the people of Israel and they did not kill them. You know who was just saying that? That was Joshua. Joshua was standing between the people, the Israelites, who wanted the Gibeonites dead and the Gibeonites. You know, Joshua is the Jewish form for Jesus, which means Yahweh is salvation. You see, Joshua interceded. Joshua interceded for the people. And Jesus is a better Joshua interceded for us we have all sinned we've all walked away we 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 have sinned against a holy righteous god and in that we deserve wrath but god in his great mercy sent jesus and poured his wrath on jesus his only son so jesus is the truer and better joshua because he's he lived a perfect life and he gave his life for mine and for yours So back to our question, why do we get frustrated when life seems unfair? We forget what Jesus did. So tonight I want to say to you that God is unfair. God is unfair, you're right. You see, I have three boys. I would not give any of my children's life for yours, I'm sorry. I'll give my life. But I wouldn't let the penalty that you deserve to go onto my sons. I'm not I'm not that nice, I'm sorry. But God the Father poured out the wrath that I deserved, because I I went against the most holy God, and he put that wrath on his son Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He lived a sinless life. And yet he died a death, a horrible death on a cross. That is not fair. You see, if we get fair, if I get fair, I get hell. But God is unfair, so I get heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.20, another book in the Bible that was written by a murderer, says that that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we, you and I, could become the righteous, could become perfect in God's eyes. So, you I know the junk that I've done. I I know the junk that I've thought about or done this week. And yet, because of Jesus, because of his perfect life and his death and his resurrection, God looks at that at me and he sees a perfection. He sees righteousness. That is crazy. That's scandalous. You see, God is totally unfair. God is totally unfair. And I'm so thankful for it. So, why do we get frustrated when life seems unfair? We forget to ask God. We forget to pray to Jesus. We forget to read his word and see what he's told us. We, we forget who we are, that we're sinful people, that, that we've done nothing to deserve it. It's only been God's grace and his graciousness and his covenant keeping um, character that allow us to live. And most importantly, we remember what Jesus did that God is unfair and so wherever you're at in life life isn't going to be fair there's going to be things that are thrown at you this, that's not it's not right but when you look really at who you are when you look at really what Jesus did and anything we get is just grace and we live in the most blessed country blessed city blessed province in the world <laughs> like it's unbelievable and we think that we're unfair so I want to encourage you if you're struggling with, with, with the unfairness talk to God realize who you are and the grace that's been shown to you and, and maybe you, you, you're not at the place where you even have a relationship with God I, I would ask you man this is awesome the answer to life's problems is Jesus it sounds so simple but the reality is that I don't need to prove myself I, I don't have to try harder to, to impress anybody why? Because Jesus loves me. That's what the Bible says. You see, we forget when the Israelites were going across the Jordan River into the promised land, they were commanded to take 12 stones. And when they got out of the Jordan River, they were supposed to pile these stones up outside in the the land of Canaan. And they said, so when your kids would ask, Daddy, what, what are those rocks for? What's that pile of rocks doing there? Well, son, let me tell you. Well, daughter, let me tell you. It's when we, God saved us. He brought us through on dry land. He parted this huge river that was at flood stage. He parted that, and we walked through on dry land. That's what those mean. Really, Dad? Yeah. We have a cross because we forget. I I was driving up Memorial Drive today, and you see all of those crosses, and the big thing, lest we forget. And it's filled with crosses. Those crosses represent lives that were given so we can have peace. We're going to celebrate that November 11th. But the cross, it's, it's a form of crucifixion. It's, it's one of the brutal, most brutal deaths anyone could ever suffer. And it's the symbol of us as Christians that we, we take because we don't want to forget first and foremost that God hates sin, that there's a penalty to be paid, and that penalty was taken by Jesus. The cross is empty, because Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. Jesus is alive. He's raised from the dead. And he's coming back for his people to live with him forever. That is gonna gonna be awesome. So that's why we have the cross, so we don't forget. And now I'm gonna ask the band to come up and we have one other thing that Jesus, said the night that he was going to the cross, the night that he was betrayed, he he gave this ordinance to, to his disciples. And, and you may come from different backgrounds, and, and this may be called a sacrament, it may be called an ordinance, it may be called communion, it could be called the Lord's table. What it is, it's just two simple elements. Bread that symbolizes Jesus' body, which was broken for us. It symbolizes that Jesus was a real person. He wasn't a phantom, he wasn't anything. He was a real person who understood and can understand all of the difficulties, all of the stuff, all of the trauma that we've gone through in our lives. Jesus can understand it because he lived this life. He was a a man that could understand all of our difficulties. And he hung on a cross and his body was broken and it was dead for us. And the wine or the juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed. And the blood is the life of us. If we lose all of our blood, we're dead. And it's a symbol of Jesus giving his life for you and for, for me. And so I, I would encourage you, if, if you know who Jesus is, if you say, I believe in Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner, that the only way that my sins can be forgiven, the only way that I can spend eternity with, with God the Father and Jesus in heaven is by saying, I follow Jesus. And saying, I want to serve Jesus forever and you know, ever. If you can say that, if you believe that, then come and take communion as a celebration. Jesus called this the new covenant that, we could, that he has done for us. That we don't have to worry about, Do I, have I done enough? Have I been good enough? The reality is Jesus was good enough. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. We can't live. And he died the death that, that you and I deserve. And that is just the best news. That's why we call it the gospel. That's why we call it good news. And so I would encourage you to come and take this as, as worship. And if you don't believe that, just sit there and listen to the music. Uh, it's, it's okay. But come and take this as, as worship if you believe the things that we've talked about with Jesus. Let me pray and then the band will play. Uh, Father God, we just thank you and praise you that you are a covenant God who keeps his word. Even when we don't, you keep yours. And Father, we just thank you so much for that. Jesus, we thank you that you live the life um, that none of us can live. And that we don't have to keep trying to do better and better and do more and more, but we just have to accept the grace that you've given us. And so we thank you, Jesus, for your life. We thank you for your death, and we thank you and praise you for your resurrection, that you are alive, that you are coming back one day, and we will spend eternity with you. And that is the best deal going. That's the best thing about heaven, is that we will be with you, Jesus, forever. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that that we can celebrate uh, these elements as worship to you of what you've done for us, that we will never forget, Jesus, that you took upon yourself what we deserved and give us um, your righteousness. We thank you for that great exchange, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.